Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, this episode of Dum Dee Da is sponsored by Liquor You Like on the Felsham Road. The chap's called Hammered and he's so lovely. Doesn't mind if you come in twice a day. Don't tell anyone, thank you very much. <laughs> When you drunk dial, it's very entertaining. Even if you do wake me up, you know you can wake me up like that again. It gave it made me go to sleep with a big smile on my face. Did I really wake you up? Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. It was I about can't... I don't know, like one o'clock or something. No, I can't remember what I said anyway. Mm, well, I tell you what. Why don't I tell everybody what you said in the middle of Dumpty Dum? <laughs> you do, and and something bad will happen that I haven't quite thought of yet. But I will think, and that it will be bad. Yes. No. Good. You won't do that. Because you know what? What? This is Dumpty Dum, the reality <laughs> darky drama that is centred at Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands on the Mother's Day chocolate. That is Roy Field Brown. And with me, I have the bunch of limp petrol station carnations. That is Lucy Freeman. And the most important part of our maternal celebrations is you. And whew, last week. What a week, hey, Luce? It was brilliant. Well, I'm loving we find- it. Now. <laughs> we we finally, finally, eventually got out the live show. 
and thank you to everybody that listened because that was most excellent most lovely and we had yes. calls from all four points of the globe didn't we we did we had canada yes france Brittany. well that would be france lovely. oh yes Sorry. Mm. Are you, you, you know i'm not geography it's not my strong point yes australia which is Australian, Lucy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but what sort of penis does it look like, my field? This is what we need to know. Listen, we've moved on from that. Come on. <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> we have calls from all over. However, Derek's equipment didn't work, did it? It didn't. Massive as it was, mm. it didn't It didn't do the job. Yeah, lots of knobs on it. Lots of knobs. Lots of knobs. But I think one of the knobs probably fell off. So, yeah. unfortunately, we don't actually have a recording of our live show. Mm. But it did go out, and it was most live. So live that we had calls with Joanna, and, well, did we actually have a call with Joanna? Uh, no, we had a lot of Joanna going, hello, can you hear me? And then going, <sighs> she realised, no, we couldn't. <laughs> However, Less- we will repeat the process again at some point soon but we we need to our, our, our nerves need to settle first i don't know Lucy. yes a couple of years i think and then yes. we'll be up for doing it again yes so oh, yeah. so this <laughs> is episode number 51 even though on itunes it will say episode 50 yes mm, right so glad we got that cleared up and if you were live uh, and you listened to us you were part of an exclusive bunch well, so people were very kind on the Twitters and they said things like it was like the Beatles album, that every, the, the, the Rolling Stones concert that everybody said they'd been to. That was um, Goddess Diva. Mm. Said it was like the, 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 uh, the Marquee um, Rolling Stone concert that everyone pretended to be at and weren't really. And she said, but I was really there. She was. She called the Rinnera, didn't she? She did, yes. Mm. Right, anyway, enough about that because we need to take talk about today's rendition of Barrett Green, don't we? We do. Who was it? Jimi Hendrix's ghost. It's so, it's so excellent that we decided <laughs> to use it twice. So we've flipped it over from the A side to the B side and it's the same thing. So great. So we're using that one again. But Lucy. Yes. Can you remind our listeners how on the accolade of Dum Dee Dum of the Week? Yes, I can. Uh, if you would like to give us your options for how Kate might unblock her chakras, preferably with a sawn off shotgun, then give us a <laughs> ring on 0203031305 or get in touch via SpeakPipe via the site. Thank you to Harriet of Shambridge for her fantastic voices and for ringing in so beautifully. Oh, last she week. was excellent, wasn't she? She was. It was like a chat show. I felt like Terry Wogan. And well, uh, you, you're to... wearing a wig. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know I was. You were there. And to Derek for the loan in the back bedroom. Derek's been eating flood damaged. Kit I'm cats. more of a chatty man type of host. Are you? I've mm. never seen that. It's good. Oh, he's great. Is I'm, it? I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm as camp as a row of tents. So, and I now <laughs> wear glasses. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Oh, I love a bit of chatty man, me. Hmm. Hmm. Can I finish my joke now? Oh, crumbs. I hope I didn't ruin your punchline. <laughs> Feel free <laughs> just to rewind a bit. Insincerely. Um, and to Derek for the loan in the back bedroom. Derek's been eating flood-damaged Kit Kats, as he says. There's nothing wrong with having a couple of soggy fingers inside you. <laughs> oh, well done. That's quite good. Um, but say if it was a big bar of Kit Kats and there were four fingers... Would that be a, a fist of fingers? Oh, I think we better move on. 
<laughs> this week we have calls from Yokel Bear, who thinks Charlie's opened up the X-Files. Jojo Sexy Heels, who's loving to hate Kate, and I'm inclined to agree. Andrew Horn, is your boy, any Andrew Horn, who wants to wish us a happy birthday. And Jacqueline, who forgives Neil for his long ago affair. Did he actually go through with the affair? No. Mm. Like always in the Archers, apart from Jolene, who's the only one who actually puts her money where her mouth is, so to speak. Um, uh, Neil backed away. <laughs> put, put some... <laughs> no, 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 put no. Some... no. No, we can't. There's no way you could do that without being very rude. I oh, know, because um, Millie Bell has told us off, hasn't she? Yeah. Yeah, about um, being too rude. Yeah. Mm. So, yes. all right. Because she's got little djembe. And she doesn't want to have to censor the dum-de-dums before her little daughter can listen. So I'm not going to go where I was going to go with that joke. <laughs> oh, so, right. Being as I'm not going to go where I was going to go with that joke, Lucy, mm-hmm. why don't you tell about the last seven days in Ambridge? <laughs> Okay, so, Frida fried. Well, not yet. The actual cremation is next week, but it is safe to say Frida has fried her last chip. Bert has asked Jolene (laughs) to say a few words to sum up her time at the ball, so Jolene will stand at the edge of the grave and shout, Frida, cottage pie and lasagna for table six! Apart from that, this week on Ambridge was sponsored by Kleenex Tissues and Rapid Solutions. Bert cried, Linda cried, I cried. The rapid solutions came from Ruth and David, who are now absolutely tip-top pulling together as a team and completely forgetting they were spitting venom at each other a week ago. Amazing what a wet night can do. Venom has only been spat in one direction. That's true. Well, no, I don't know, because he got cross with her when she picked on his mam. Didn't he? Mm, I'd say he's more kind of irked, but anyway, go on. Monologue Uh, away. And Fallon who Mm. seems quite sanguine at the prospect of Kenton's sudden non-investment in Fallon's house of teabagging. And (laughs) also Linda, who in a complete volte-face began a conversation with the revving rev saying she'd lost the will to live and within 30 seconds was shouting that the village had to pull together and what were we all waiting for? But the good news is the titchy sprog has caught up with titchy knob. Money deducted from earnings. That is one deposit I bet he wishes he'd never made. And hurrah, Krusty is back. She paddled about, visiting the needy like the Duchess of Cambridge, saying, Oh, how awful. I'm so sorry for you all. Ed has been told to keep his mouth shut about unbunging Charlie's drains. What's your diary like for the next few weeks? Charlie asked Ed. Same as usual. It's got Bob the Builder on the front, said Ed. The senior Grundies are going to have to be prized out of Grey Gables with a winkle pin. Joe is having a smashing time at the health club, swanning about in his fur coat and getting his piles waxed. He also enjoyed wearing a tiger onesie, which came as a surprise to everyone as he is normally wearing a giraffe onesie. Fallon went completely barking and decided to decorate the flood bar with things she had found in the water. So she stuck scruff on the wall and smeared him with sewage. And loads of dead sheep, then. And loads of dead sheep. Tig is revelling in being the only dog in the village now and is in every scene, frisking about and woofing just to make his point. Surely it won't be long before harassment catches on and realises that it was Tig that pushed Scruff in the drink. (laughs) Tony is coming home. Pat announced the news and then kissed him with a noise that sounded like Velcro being pulled apart so maybe Tony hadn't shaved. Or Pat hadn't. Meanwhile, Kenton burst a blood vessel at David in a scene that I suspect had many tweet-alongers cackling with glee. 
He spat, he frothed, he quivered, and he completely ignored David's quite sensible point that Kenton didn't actually have the money that he spent. So Pip has suggested that Auntie Shula goes to calm him down in a weird exchange with David that gave me proof of something I have long suspected, i.e. Shula and Kenton have that twin thing going on, as David put it. And in another fist-pumping moment, Phoebe completely destroyed Kate yet again, pulled out all her chakras, jumped on them and put them back in in the wrong order. Even Jennifer joined in with, Have you no shame? To which the answer is surely, Of course not! I'm a pissed vegan who abandons children with the laissez-faire attitude of David Cameron in a pub. And, 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 and ask them to lend them money to the point where a daughter's got none herself. Yes. Bang out of order. Especially when she wanted to spend it on a stupid yoga session or hot yoga. That was it, wasn't it? Mm, Bikram Sweet yoga, ass. that, innit? Yeah. People get all sweaty. Yeah. You ever been to one of those sessions Certainly where... Not. You have? No. What? One well, you know sessions? when you do like kind of like Pilates or yoga and then people sweat in like not nice places. And, you, and, you, and you, it's like looking at a train accident, isn't it? You want to look away <laughs> and they're sweating in their naughty bits and it's coming through like, ooh. You only know that they're sweating in their naughty bits if you're already looking at their naughty bits. But it's like a train accident. You can't, like a, like a car accident. You can't help but look. The and you're like, ooh, don't be sweating there, but they are. <laughs> anyway, I'm sure there's some, some listener out there who will uh, be able to back me up on that. The groin sweats. That's a oh, one. gosh, yeah. Mm, no. Anyway, Phoebe's loyalty to Haley means she operates a take-no-prisoners policy with Kate, which is a joy to see and made the Mother's Day scene a joy to hear. Mm. And we ended with a scene which would have made the carry-on team think, no, hang on, that's probably pushing it a bit. Charlie asked if he could watch Adam get his pole up because he'd never done it before. And Adam <laughs> said, yes, of course, I've been doing it for quite a few years now. Charlie then described the whole thing as a slick operation. Oh, Kerry Davis, how you do tease us. The end. Mm. Do we know for a fact that Kerry wrote that one? We do. Oh, great! He's, he's, he's a mucky pup, any that he Kerry. Is filthy. Mm. He's been he's been uh, being teased a bit about it, and especially because of a more recent episode in which a lot of unarchers like language was used. Mm. Mm. Now, Lucy. Yes. Right. You know, we're just kind of like condensing the show and everything, and getting things kind of tip top and tight. Yes. Right. Why don't we? ring our special guest that wasn't on our live show <laughs> yes <coughs> Good idea. hello hambridge 3962 now um just so just whilst i have my partner in crime here mr b we're going to apologize again for last thursday that's right. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, no. It... The whole thing was a pigging disaster. Well, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I might be slight, slightly overstating it, but not, but not by much. Not by <laughs> much. <at all. laughs> we, the live show did go out. After a fashion. Yeah, after a fashion. Derek's, Derek Fletcher's equipment didn't quite work. His recording equipment didn't quite work, so we don't have a recording of it. Oh. Numerous, numerous people called in from all over the globe, Canada, France, Australia, etc. Oh, no. And... Um, only half of them were properly, properly audible. But um, Lucy and I are massive professionals and we filled manfully. Right. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, a show of sorts went oh, out. So, wow. Oh, dear. What a shame. Well, it was, in the end, it, it, got, it got better. And it, I think people were tweeting about it and just, it was <laughs> kind of chaos. It was like Tiz was. Yes. It was like Tiz was yes. loosely around talking about the amp. 
the AM burst in its banks. Right. And people seem and, to... and quite frankly, anything anyone wanted to talk yeah. about yeah. because we were somebody talked <laughs> to... getting slightly yeah, panicky. Somebody was talking about their conservatory at one point and making <laughs> chips for their French husband who's in the other room. It, it was quite quite bizarre. But, <laughs> but on on that note, I think uh, we should um, kind of formally crack on with our little bit of a chat. All right. Okie dokie. All right. So um, we were going to have on our 50th uh, episode, uh, the great Archer himself. And one thing and another, we couldn't get him on, so we thought we'd get him on in the 51st show. So, Mr. Tim Bentink, God Archer, take a bow, say hello. <laughs> God Archer? <laughs> well, you are, right? Yeah, you're the absolute patriarch. Don't be daft. The only, the only God Archer that you've heard recently was, uh, was, was my dad in, my, in, David's, in David's head, really, I think. That was um, quite a moment. We, um, have you have you enjoyed all this? Having to sort of really get to grips with with. Something? It's been absolutely fantastic. I mean, apart from anything else, all, all the whole storyline leading up to David's, you know, epiphany of hearing his dad and making this momentous decision was was great because because of the way it was written. Because I knew what was I did personally know I knew what was coming, so it was all about trying to do it in a sort of subtle way, so that you know each. At each point, there were all these little sort of things that were gnawing away at him and realising the things that he was going to miss, even to the extent of having that rather sweet conversation with Susan in the shop, you know, and mm. and, yeah. and her kind of rattling on about making um, making chile for Neil, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and him kind of, you know, the, the, he, he sort of went around visiting, in a way, everybody, and... And at each point, he he was thinking, God, I'm going to miss this. I'm going to miss this. I'm going to miss this. And then, the bit where he discovers the um, the old farming journals of, of his granddad and starts going through that and and seeing how they had weathered all the storms that were shown at him, thrown at them. And then, you know, this sort of wonderful kind of symbolic moment of the toy farm and uh, that lovely line that Jill had to him, David, it's not about the farm, is it? And he goes, no, not at all. For me, it had resonances because about two years ago, we very nearly sold our house in London that I'd, we'd bought in 1982 and that I spent 33 years. I mean, I bought it at the same year that I got the arches and, um, and I've been doing it up ever since and turned it from a, you know, from a very tatty place into a family home. And um, and it came to a point where we'd made a, a decision to have a new adventure in our lives at the, you know, at the age of 60, and we were going to go off and buy somewhere in the country and sell this. And um, one thing, I mean, it's a long story, I won't bore you with it, but it, and it, was, it actually was sort of economics that, that, that dictated it. But nevertheless, when I had a moment where I woke up at 4 o'clock in the morning, sat up in bed, and just when Judy went, what? And I went, I can't do this. I can't do it. And she said, what? And it was sort of, you know that the, the, there were. It wasn't the same story, but it was. But I did. I did really empathise with David. Once you've made the decision, you can't do it. You just can't. You know. And it's. And then Ruth has that line. You know, can we talk about this? And David goes, Yeah, yeah we can. But it's not going to make any bloody difference. Um, and the writing was so so strong from Joanna Toy. I mean, when I read it, and I was in bits in the hotel when I was reading it through, and. Um, and I texted her to say, this is really, really good stuff. And, yeah. um, and, and also, you know, we, we had this moment where Judy and I sat down, and Jude doesn't listen to the arches, really. I mean, you know, she listens to it if it's on in the car. But we actually sat down for the flood episode for the omnibus, and, and after supper, sat there with a glass of wine, sat in front of the 
roaring log fire and put it up loud on the stereo, you know, and sat and, and listened to the whole thing. And it was a fantastic radio play because it had, you know, it, because it was done, I think in, in people listening to it in, in, in episodically day to day, I, I understand the fact that it, it, it must have been a bit bitty. But, uh, and because unlike the arches normally where it's, you know, one day follows another and this, it was one hour followed another. You know, you went mm. literally over three or four episodes, you went straight into it. And that's, that's never been done before. But it, as an omnibus episode, it was, it was a fantastic um, radio play. Um, it, you know, it had a beginning, a middle, middle and end, and it was an entire story in, in itself. And it was terrifically exciting. And technically, the, 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 the technicians, you know, the, all the people um, recording it and all the crew, they did a fantastic job. I was talking to Andy Partington, who's, um, uh, who's a, a, a brilliant engineer, and they spent two hours in post-production just on the scene with Eddie Grundy down the down the drain mm. and you listen to that technically it's brilliant because david and pip are quite clearly kind of above him and it's not just they're away that it, it sounds above and that, that pip's further away than mm. david and <clears throat> poor old trevor recording that he's got a really bad back and he was sitting on a chair sort of with his head down between his knees and he was really hurting and he was in agony so all that stuff already going oh god i can't <laughs> and water going all over his face and you know he was pouring water into his face and i mean it sounded fantastic he just went he's down a drain you know he's down a drain yeah um and actually you're right there wasn't one sound effect on that episode so, okay, very occasionally you can get a sound effect that makes you go ooh, or even yeah. laugh a bit but there was nothing was, in that that stood out that that stood out as no wrong it, no there was and I had um, there's a photograph of me which I didn't put on Twitter or anything but it is on the um, if uh, there's the David Arch I'm very flattered to say there's a David Archer Appreciation Society on Facebook now which um, so and well, I posted a picture of me and hey, and listen I'll tell you what we it was you coming on to Dum De Dum which gave it a shot in the arm sir if you, cool. if you seem to remember yeah. because you you. You went into exactly. You wow. gave out this plea, didn't you? You said there is this David Archer Appreciation Society, and it's got eighteen members or something. Can we just get it past twenty? And it and it shot up to a massive, I think, thirty-five after you went on to Dum to Dum. Well, there's a picture on there of so, me and Trevor Harrison, who's Eddie Grundy, standing in our respective buckets with our barbers and hats on. Um, which is quite absurd when you go. And I said, I, in fact, before I posted it, I said, look, I've got this photograph. I said, I don't want to ruin it for anybody. Does anybody want to see it? And everybody went, yes. And there's this one woman that went, no. And so I said, well, just close your eyes, darling. Here we go. Because, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so it's I, easy to, it's when, I, when... I do, to, you know, we all every now and again take pictures of things that are funny in the studio. And, um, and I'm 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 wary. I used to when I started. I'd sort of post it. I'm wary of it now because people do say that don't ruin the the illusion. You know. Yeah. Totally fair. So when you did your your change of mind in your own your own house, mm. and you decided not to move, did did your wife go and hide in the ironing mm. board and flounce around sulking, no. or was it all resolved quite? No, nicely? it wasn't. I mean, she. You know, it was it was very much a mutual decision. I mean, it was it. it sudden kind of it was just a bit of terror from me really kind of just kind of thinking what if it all goes wrong you know and and the thing about yeah. london particularly is if you move out of london you can never move back in again um yeah. and it, it is such a momentous decision and there were lots of things that were wrong with the with the place which she knew as well as i did and it just needed in a way just needed for one of us to go nope 
then the other one would have gone okay because you know when it's not it's it wasn't like that i mean we we very much it was very much a joint decision but it was me that kind of i think was the catalyst <laughs> now you have obviously had you know dare I say the lion's share of the storylines at least you've been at the fulcrum of them anyway yeah. for the last last few months. Is that going to continue? I know you can't go into massive amount of details in terms of forward storylines, but we're going to get loads more Mr. D. Archer, are we? I don't know. And, I know, you know, I did I did know for this. And, um, you know, thank goodness, because I've got the VAT and the tax to pay at the end of January. So, um, you know, <laughs> and, and, and we only get paid per... Oh, it's all well, we only get paid per episode, you know. So, um, so yeah. it, 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 it's been great for me on that front, and um, thank goodness. But uh, so I did know that I had, I had, you know, Sean told me that I've got these storylines coming up, which is unusual for us. Normally, we, you know, we know month to month. Um, and so, I mean, what the future, you know, brings in terms of um, how how much is going to be at, at Brookfield, I don't know. I mean, he's, you know, he's very clear about the fact that he wants you know bringing jill back to brookfield was was to bring back some of the you know the 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 the, the central characters who'd been slightly perif- yeah. put onto the periphery a bit um and uh, uh and then there's josh you know who um he 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 wasn't really involved in any of this i'm not quite sure why whether or not um angus Imry, who's our new josh whether he was busy doing other things but it's been introducing, you know, Daisy, who's our new Pip, um, very much so, and she's mm. been at the centre of it. Um, and Josh has, you know, hasn't been heard. Um, so you never know; it might be a kind of, um, you know, parents with 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 jo- getting getting Josh more involved in it. I'd say, I mean, you know, I'm I'm just this is hypothetical. I, I, the answer to your question is I absolutely don't know. I mean, obviously, I hope that I'm going to be so I get paid, but you know, <laughs> I don't know. Did you did you enjoy doing the scene with because one of our, the most popular scenes over the last week has been the scene with Kenton completely losing yeah. it when he comes back from his immensely extravagant holiday to find mm. that actually he's got nothing coming up except the yeah insurance. it was true did you enjoy doing that because it was a fantastic it was a belter, scene to wasn't it to. and and Richard was it was great because I mean, we talked we I talked to him a lot about it actually and and you know I lo- I love the old but Richard you know I get on really really well and. And we've always had this sort of rather jokey Kent and David relationship with um, Dave. Dave and everything. <laughs> and and be, having to be, you know, horrible to each other, every single time we finish a scene, you know, he goes, oh, mate, you know, and comes out and gives me a hug. Because he he's, I hate this. I hate this. I hate being horrible. <laughs> and he's, it's not like him. And um, But what's really interesting was that when we did that scene where he shouts at me, because of the nature of... Um, of the relationship is that Kenton's always been, although he's my, he's, although he's David's elder brother, he's always, you know, David's always had the high status, you know, David mm. runs Brookfield yeah. and Kenton's always been the black sheep and hopeless and, you know, off with the fairies and all that kind of thing. And so this, in terms of status, you know, do improv, it's always about who's high status, who's low status. He's always been, David's been high status. He's always, like, although he's a younger brother, he's kind of the, the grown up in a way. And when we did this, suddenly, um, literally, and we just, you know, when we recorded it, and when Richard was yelling at me, I suddenly went, "God, I'm, I'm the younger brother." You know, this is, this is yeah. my big brother, really, really losing it with his younger brother, and, and suddenly it was like kind of reverting to childhood. About, I hate this. You know, I hate being shouted at by my big mm. brother, and 
And I, my, David's lines in that were all kind of trying to placate him. And um, and I, when we'd done the reader in the green room, had been quite quiet in my responses. And when it got to him, I found myself shouting back at him, saying, you know, going like, stop it, stop it, you know. And and it turned, it was quite elemental. It's the nature of what's so lovely about the arches is, you know, you tend to do only one take. And it happens very much, so there's lots of instinctive stuff going on, you know, very unrehearsed often. And yeah. that was just purely came out of, you know, nowhere. I mean, he, I think we did rehearse it and he said, was that too loud? And they'd said yes, because they'd had to, it's broken there the needle on the, <laughs> on the VU meter. But um, so he turned away a bit and did it the second time. Because um, what was interesting was that he actually almost sounded a little bit hoarse. Yeah. It was as if he he was not, he's not somebody who's used to shouting yeah. like that, uh, you know, or losing his temper to that no. extent. And that was, that made it extra sort of real for me because my voice goes all squeaky when I try and shout yeah. at anybody and it almost sounded like Kenton's. Had done the yeah, same. it was, you know, he's a, he's a stonkingly good actor, Richard. And, mm. um, and, yeah. and that was, you know, it, it was real. That was what's so good I, about I, it. Yeah, I think. That's that's when I realised that you really did have acting chops because, dare I say, Kel- Kenton is played normally at, at kind of like one pace, isn't he? Kind of jokey, yeah. you know, take it, you know, quite chilled, exactly. Quite relaxed, and yeah. then he absolutely let you have it with both barrels. Yeah, you know, it was his yeah. own bloody fault, but still, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you absolutely felt that, and you thought, well, he did. But what's so good, what's so good about the storyline is, of course, that you've got people arguing it from both sides. You know, you mm. you'll have people. Um, you know, listeners, some people will say, of course it's Kenton's fault. But on the other hand, David is, you know, to to, to a certain extent responsible for that because he knows his brother, he knows what he's going to do. And, and, yeah, he went off and he spent the money before he had it. Uh, But then there was this decision for David as to whether or not to ring him up in Australia and say that don't, you know, don't spend any more, which is a difficult decision, you know. And as we know, I mean, Mm. there it is. He would have been... You know, he's damned if he did, damned if he didn't. Because if he had rung him up, he'd have ruined his holiday. Um, mm. And at least he had a nice holiday, but he did go and spend a lot of money on jewellery. Was... <laughs> 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 so it's a clever, clever piece of writing, really, yeah. isn't it? It's, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's good stuff. And it's, and it's so true, you know, that's what's so good about it. Yeah. Yeah. I did love it when I heard uh, Fallon saying, I did have a little chuckle when I heard Fallon saying, oh, mum, is that a new ring? And I thought, oh, my God. Yeah. I love <laughs> the, my favourite My favorite line is when he comes in and, uh, and, and Kenton's saying, yeah, well, when we get the money from the sale, and this was a pause, and he goes, yeah, yeah. Um, about that. <laughs> about that. <laughs> <laughs> and you could hear, I wonder when we were recording it, thinking, you know, all the listeners are going, yeah about that because yeah. everyone's been waiting for this to happen you know yeah <laughs> good fun good 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 so um you can't tell us about any future storylines yeah you're denying the fact that you are god archer <laughs> i don't god archer. i mean the thing about it, you talk any any god other you know other people who write the stories you know it's the nature of being a a writer, as I should know, because um, I have a, it's a big day for me. My my book, um, hundred a hundred copies of my new book, Colin the Campervan, arrived from the publisher today and are hey. now um, on sale at Amazon. As it's called Colin the Campervan, we're presuming it's not autobiographical. <laughs> no, but it's about my. But it's pretty much about my campervan. That um, if you look on Facebook, you'll see there's a I'll put a picture up of me when my son, who's now thirty, was four, and there we are with the campervan, which is exactly the same colour. 
and type. It's a type two VW camper van. And um, and I wrote this story 20 years ago as a sort of wish fulfillment about a um, a camper van that gets basically you know reaches rock bottom and then gets um, gets rebuilt as a as, the, as a super van. And um, it uh, it sat around for 20 years and not anything happening. And I just, I put it up on Kindle one day because I'm you know, a bit of a geek and I'm, I could so I did. And um, the woman who was an Archers fan was on my website, and she saw the link to it and um, read it, and she said, this is great. And she's a publisher, and she said, would you like me to publish it? And I went, yeah. Next thing I knew, I was getting these illustrations being sent from me by this brilliant illustrator called Owen Claxton, who was sending me um, you know, pencil drawings. And I was going, oh, that's amazing. That's exactly what, how I'd imagined all these scenes. And um, so he's filmed them out, and they're all, and they're lovely. They're beautiful. They're very kind of they're slightly old-fashioned. They're sort of you know it's not sort of modern in-your-face garish. It's kind of pastel shades and sort of rather 1950s sort of thing. And um, anyway, we're having a book launch on Wednesday of my book and my wife's book, Judy's book about how to make um, couture hats, um, which she. Well, wait, through- wait a minute there, Tim. Lucy, you know when your mm. podcast has matured, when actors come on because they've got a book to push. Yeah. Yeah, Bloody I was hell. just thinking, yeah. I like Lorraine Kelly. <laughs> I know. Well, I've listened, I've spent my life li- listening to people, you know, wonder why they're on this programme. Oh, they're plugging a book. So, yeah, so here I've got, you know, it's not often in your life that you've got a book to plug, but I have. How in the world are you combining the launch of Colin the Campervan and a book on Couture? There you go. It's exactly it. We thought, well, if we're going to have a book launch, let's combine the two. So um, there's going to be, we're in the Jaguar showroom on, on Barclay Street, just off Barclay Square. So as you walk in, there's an F-type Jag, and then there's going to be all these um, pictures of this, this old 1970s camper van. Um, Wearing a hat. Well, and, and then Judy, we've got, Judy's going to be bringing along a lot of the hats that are in the book, so we're going to have our friends and, um, um, and a lot of archers cast there wearing the hats, and we've got the press coming along, so there'll be pictures of it and everything. And so anybody... And we're coming, hmm? obviously, Sorry? Tim. We're coming, obviously. You're coming, obviously. Yes, yeah, obviously. it doesn't sound very obvious that our invite yeah. is even in the post. No, it didn't. Mean you it. Not that at all. <laughs> <laughs> the pause was just a little fraction too long. If you'd like to come along, the only reason I'm havering is because I'm slightly worried that we've over, that we've overdone the numbers on, on the. Yeah, on the, yeah, on... yeah. The amount of time we've heard that. Oh no, it's true. It. It's the catering. I'm suddenly going. You know, people going. Oh God, have we got enough? You know, have we got enough canapes? Have you got enough champagne we'll glasses? Of course you can care. come. But you can't invite your <laughs> listeners to come, otherwise we really will be overpowered. <laughs> well, I, I'm sure through your David Archer Appreciation Society page on Facebook, you've got a lot of pre-orders for this book. Well, there's the Colin the Campervan page, you see, that now because the publisher created a, a special Facebook page called Colin the Campervan, so ah. all the you know, details of how to buy it are all there, and anybody can go there and find it. Well, good. Well, listen, <laughs> If you've got kids... Kids aged sort of about five upwards, really. Um, mm-hmm. Little little suit. It's only a very short book, and I'm writing the sequel at the moment. Well, sure. you know what? We'll have to really? get you on when when we are, when you have, when you have the sequel ready. Yeah, absolutely. Or there's another flood in Ambridge. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> Colin the camper van in the flood. Yeah. What about that? He could paddle. Colin at out. sea. There you do go. You... Yeah. Tim, do you remember the gumdrop books? Mm, do I? Because it kind of sounds, I just wondered, because they're sort of, they're 1950s books and I've completely forgotten who wrote them. But they're about this vintage car who goes off and has oh, little gum adventures drop. and things. And the way you described I it. I think yeah. so. Funnily enough, my sister's nickname was Gumdrop. So maybe that's, um, yeah, oh, really? maybe that was where it came from. It's more like, if you sort of think Herbie, you know, the Beatle. 
it's sort yeah. of more like that. He's got a character, and you know, it's it's all from his perspective. It's all from Colin's point of view. So he he has oh. a personality, and he has a relate. You know, he's got his 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 Andy, the guy who who first buys him, who actually wins him in a competition when he's a broke student at university, which is basically reflects on me because I had it when I was broke at university, and I had this old camper van, which I I used to drive, I used to live in it when I came up to record the arches to save money on the hotels and things. I used to park it in a field opposite Pebble Mill and sleep in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Mr. Bentink, we'll, we'll get you back. Uh, I tell you what, we'll get you back before you actually write the sequel. How's that? Cool. Cool. Listen, lovely speaking to you and so sorry that um, you weren't on the live show. Uh, but depend- yeah. yes. dependent on who you listen to, you either didn't miss much or you did. So t- take your picture. <laughs> <laughs> and when you've got the pictures from your launch, then um, send them to us and we'll tweet All righty. Cool. Fantastic. I will yep. do. Take care, God you. Archer. Okay. All right. Bye. All the best. Take, take care. care. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Lucy. Yes. Um, shall we do some calls now? Yes, why not? Can we do some emails first? All right then. Um, uh, Martin Pickering was talking about. So Kenton's. basically, the answer is no. What? I said, can we do some calls first? And you said yes. But oh, can sorry. We do some emails first. Like, just, why did you just say no? You're so English, so polite. You agree? <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> just do what you want know. to do anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Martin uh, Pickering's email. Go. Yes, Martin Pickering said Kenton's rant. This is about. Mm. Go, Kenton, what a perfect tirade. Never let an emotion go unexpressed. He let David have it right between the eyes. I'm surprised there is anything more than a David-shaped radiation shadow on the wall. Fabulous <laughs> writing. Uh, Mustafa Grumble, mm. uh, who um, uh, monitors people's appearances. I have, I'm have. i doing a pop quiz, Royfield. I know you oh. love those, particularly at this time in the morning. Mm. Have a guess when Auntie Satya was last heard from. 2007. God damn it, 2008. How did you know that? A uh, bit of a guess, because she hadn't been in it forever. But you wouldn't think it was that long, would you? No, you wouldn't. Give me another one, give me another one. Uh, hang on, I've got to find his email. Talk amongst yourself. Uh, but while I'm finding that, I'm also, because I'm a woman and can do many things at once. Oh, none of them hygienic. Obviously not. Um, Felicity, about mm. uh, knitting, Lillian and Linda. She when said, I says give me another one, I meant another uh, who's. I know the... you did, and I'm just bringing it up. Okay. All so right. while I'm doing that, I'm attempting mm. to be all multitasky typey person. All right. And mm. uh, oh, by the way, he says he feels quite bereft because he's had no Dumpty Dum for nearly two weeks. This is Mustafa Grumble. Anyway, Felicity <laughs> says um, that she can foresee a cosy evening where Linda suggests that Lillian and Linda sit and knit together. Lillian confesses that it wasn't really her work on the matinee jacket and Linda says she was well aware of that and sits down to teach Lillian to knit properly. That would all be lovely if Lillian, if Lillian was living in the Dow House. She's not. So mm. it's still going to be... What did you call the jacket? Matinee jacket. Oh, was it the Maginot jacket? <laughs> like the Maginot line. <laughs> so the Germans trying to, trying to get their tanks around one. that yeah. jacket, are they? Knit <laughs> one, pearl one, invade Poland. Um, oh. Right, let's have another quiz. So... Mm. When yes. did we last hear from Debbie? Oh, Debbie was in it last year, wasn't she? She put in an, an appearance. I'm going to go June of 2014. November 2014. You're good at this. Right. Kathy Perks. Mm. 
Oh, I know this one. How? December 2013. How that? How do you know that? No, I did know that because I'm because um, our person with the anorak that isn't too big. Um, I saw it in his list a couple of weeks oh. ago on the Book of Face. Okay. Um, Rory. Oh. <laughs> the thing is, he's mentioned quite yeah. often. Poor little sod. <laughs> I'm going to he's say... He's locked in the wine chiller in the Albion. Now, he's gone off to boarding school. Right, it's either... You last heard him in 2013, but he's mentioned all the time. That's the mm. tricky thing here. Hmm. October 2012. You're joking. No. Good heavens. Because that's it. He had that little Irish accent for way longer than he should have. Yeah. Had, shouldn't yes. He? <laughs> <laughs> Where's my mammy? And, <laughs> and now he's going to come back talking like this. Hello, mama. Hello, <laughs> pretend mama. Who, daddy. I would never have said 2012. No. Uh, ooh. Right, one more, because this is going to be fantastically boring radio. I'm sorry, everybody, but we're having fun. Um, who should we have? Ooh. Um, the, uh, I just found one. Hang on, where's it gone? Blah, 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 blah. Clive Horobin. Ah. Uh. Now, why did Clive come back? Was he let out of prison and he scared Auntie Cardboard, didn't he? She saw yeah. him around and she got the... I'm going to go 2011. You're right. And Damn, gonna... you're good at this. And I'm going to say... I don't know what part of the year it was, though. Just for the hell of it, I'm just going to say October 2011. Okay, you've got the list up, haven't you? No, I haven't. It's November 2011. God damn. Look at that. And you're half asleep. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> You've discovered your latent superpower. Yes. Everyone's got one. <laughs> Do you know what mine is? Uh, being ridiculously perky first thing in the morning. Apart from that, that's down to coffee. That's hardly a superpower. Um, it is being able to guess what people are going to call their children. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> I've well, been right three times this year. That. I don't know. Mm. There isn't. There well, isn't... all your, but all the people that you know are going to call their kids Sophie Jemima. and Alexander. <laughs> <laughs> yes, everybody's called Jemima. No, 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 no. People of all. Well, really? No, I get a bit stuck. Obviously, when we're talking about you know people that I know call their kids like Jamal and Tyrese and things like that. Right. Mm. We're from a different side of the tracks. Yes, I have to you say, I, I don't know anybody called Jamal or Tyrese. Uh, so I would get that wrong but uh, people that I know mm. and I don't have to know them massively well but mm. I can generally guess and I go um, in fact my friend Phil owes me a tenner because um, I, we bet uh, our, my, our business partner um, we bet what he was going to call his child and I got the first and second name right so he owes me a tenner and, yes. um, and what were they? oh god I've forgotten now um, Edward Edward, Edward, Edward James. Hmm. Hmm. It's a bit conventional. Well, he's called Woody. Edward, Woody. Oh, hmm. Anyway, uh, yes, so we've done Felicity and her knitting. Um, oh dear, yes, and now we've got somebody who is not Donald, who is not happy about David. 
So it's a good job we're reading this out after we've had lovely Timmy Tim 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 on. He <laughs> says, I have tried to be empathetic and at least I am no longer ranting. Au contraire, Donald, you are still ranting. But anyway, I am a son and grandson of farmers like Dan and Doris. My grandparents took a farm in the 30s. David's behaviour is a betrayal of his grandfather. Dan took the farm to give his family a future. If he could have seen a better future, he would have made a different decision. David was offered two million pounds, more than the asking price for Brookfield, a chance to move from a struggling farm and perhaps make a future for his family. He chose to react like a half-baked toff and, uh, and I think he means imagine an entirely unfarmerly connection with one spot of land. His grandfather would have taken the money in an instant and been in a van north in a moment. I have to say, the farmers I know are not sentimental. You cannot be a sentimental farmer. The nature of it is, you know, you don't turn the animals into pets. You don't, uh, you know, you don't name them. You don't, you just see them as to, like a, 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 a um, you know, a plumber will, will have his favourite spanner or whatever like that. You know, the one that you always use, like a cook will have, oh no, I can't, I need that, that, it's that, that knife or that wooden spoon that I always use to do this. Um, Surely that analogy isn't a correct one. No, it because... is, I think. And then you, you just have f- favourite um, animals because they're good milkers or they're good mothers or whatever. But mm. you don't have... You have a sentimental connection to the land in terms of, you know, enjoying it when things are going well. But... I think money comes top pretty much and people would chuck it. And I've seen them do it. Chuck, chuck beautiful farmhouses over in an instant to, to, to um, build new housing all over the land and make a mint and then go off and live in a nice modern centrally heated house with satellite television and, you know, no having to tramp through mud to get to the front door. But in every profession, there are people who, use it as a means to an end and there are people who actually have uh, an emotional connection to it so there are people that make films because actually they just want to turn a book and they just do formulate movies yeah. and there are people who are actually in it for the art there are people who um are doctors purely because it pays quite well and there are people who who nurse because they like to look after uh, so like a vo- human vocation, beings. you mean? Exactly than what I was coming to. So surely it it follows that there are going to be some people who farm the land, who see it just a way of, of making money and it's just a living. And there are some people who see themselves as custodians looking after But they're the gentlemen Mother farmers, Gaia. aren't they? Well, it... they're the ones who can afford, they've usually got some money stashed away somewhere. They, they're the Oliver Sterlings, the ones well... who are permanently, you know, No, uh, listen, I know, I know now about farming. You know, I don't know the one end of a sheep from another. (laughs) Which which end of a sheep do you milk, Lucy? (laughs) See, I I don't know anything about this. Not the bum end and not if it's a ram, definitely. But what I do know is that people uh, have different needs, wants and take different things out of what they do for a living. So it, it follows to me that there are going to be some far, some people who are attracted to farming or born into farming who do see themselves as custodians of the land and that they are passing this on to another generation. 
and it would also make sense to me that there are a whole load of people that say right I can make a mint out of this uh, you know and and that's what I'm going to do and then what happens next heaven only knows because it's all about the green and I mean money not grass I don't I don't think anyone thinks I can make a mint out of this I think the with farming at the moment, you have this huge well, divide Brian between... Well, Brian Aldridge definitely thinks that. But he's he? a gentleman farmer. He very rarely gets his hands dirty. That's and because he's, he's also too big and important for that. Massive now. investments. But he never started off as somebody... He's not from a farming family, I don't believe. I think he came I, into it as I a think sort of I'm a misunderstanding what you mean by a gentleman farmer. To me, Oliver Sterling is a gentleman farmer. He's just doing it as a little thing to do on yes, the side. Yeah. Brian Aldridge is a businessman farmer. Yeah, but it's the land that it's the it's the owning of the land and the investments that he's based on, you know, um, the, the, you know, you get you get you mortgage land in the same way that you mortgage a house, you use it to make investments and all that kind of thing. And, you know, he's got this farm, which is more like a sort of a grain. It's the difference between having a farm and having a grain factory. Mm. And that's what I see Brian as, you know, he's got the deer, he's got the fishing lake. It's just about absolutely mining the land for every every penny it can offer. And he's got, you know, property and all that sort of thing. But, um, but, but then, to me, in my head, you're making my point for me. He's not a gentleman farmer. He's a businessman farmer, which isn't what David is. David is um, a much more traditional... Um, is the much more traditional view of a farmer in terms of there's generations of his family that have, the you know, worked the land. That... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And to all intents and purposes, to my city eyes, he is a much more traditional farmer in terms of what he uses the land for. Then you have Oliver Sterling, who's basically retired and does a little bit of this and a little bit of that mm. because it's kind of quite nice and he tiddles blah, blah, around blah. with his sheep and, and he tiddles around and exactly that. but then you have brian who is mr mega dairy mm. you know that's three different types of farming surely 
Yes, but I think so when you're doing subsistence so, farming, which is what David is, I David th- isn't doing subsistence farming. Uh, but, Sub- subsistence farming is you only farm enough to feed yourself. Yes. Okay. Well. All right. Okay. What not. are you talking about, Lucy? <laughs> I mean farming where that's the only, he doesn't have anything else. He doesn't have, you know, organic vegetable things. And I suppose he has um, Hassett Hill stuff, doesn't he? Um, but it, I don't, I think that, I don't think farmers very often make sentimental decisions, which is what Donald is saying. And to a certain extent, I agree with Donald. Well, again, Right, we just come like a whole 360 in this. I think I would have walked into this whole debate thinking that all farmers thought thought themselves the custodians of the land, but that's obviously, patently obviously not the case. But as I said, in every profession, you have some people that are in it because they just happen to have fought. Mm. How many people are passionate about accounting? (laughs) Well, we know one, don't we? You know, he won't many hear us. people be fall, in, fall in into accounting because you know it's just they just because they just did but there are some people who and my accountant is one of them are absolutely passionate about it and i don't really understand that at all but it's the same thing in every industry there's some people who were born to do it want to mm. do it see it as the most important thing in the world and some people are just i just have to be doing this in so it why isn't right. it the same for farmers well, maybe it is, but I think there is an awful lot of romantic, sentimental guff talked about um, the land because when you're battling with EU regulations and you know um, uh, money getting tighter and tighter, and you're being offered ridiculous sums of money for the land that you are using um, for things like housing, where you could make an absolute mint and not have to do anything for it. I don't think I think there are less than you less farmers than you imagine or do I mean fewer farmers than you imagine that would uh, reject a two million quid bonus in order to be the guardian of the land. Mm. That's what I think. Listen, you could well be true. It doesn't mean that nobody would. No, I'm not saying nobody would. I'm just saying that. He, I think no, but but our emailer in error, he yes. said nobody would, and I'm and I no, disagree he said with his that. grandfather would not have done that, and his grandfather, and but I, it, you know, he said he's reacting like a half baked toff, and yeah, David made a decision that Nigel Pargeter would have made, mm. and Nigel Pargeter and a farmer are very different things. So, there again, again. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, listen. I, I'm I'm a I'm a city boy, and so I don't know the absolute ins and outs of uh, of rural life. But you've got to have a different way of viewing your farm holding if you have numerous generations of your family that have lived there. Mm. You know, if if you've just yeah. bought it last yeah. year, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're going to feel very differently from it than if you're born on that land and generations of your family have farmed that land. Yeah. Can you sell it? Yes, you can. You know, should you sell it? Maybe, but you're still going to have, you're going to view it very differently, aren't you? That's all I'm saying. One day, I would really like to record 
you going to a farm. I think it would be hilarious. Do you own a pair of willies? Of course I don't own a pair of willies. <laughs> <laughs> Why would I have a pair They'd of willies? They'd be bumpers you know, ones, wouldn't they? They'd be like Oswald Burting willies. <laughs> you know, it's not really the same thing, but it's similar. When my Uncle Dam when my uncle sam died in jamaica um all those years ago he's one that died suddenly yeah we discovered in his will that he had bequeathed me some land in jamaica wow yeah now it came as a massive shock because uncle sam had no children and um his wife didn't even know um auntie ivy didn't know and he bequeathed me two parcels of land in Jamaica. And she got quite upset about this. And she said, oh, we shouldn't have done that. He should. He didn't tell me, blah, 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 blah. Now, my dad got extremely emotional and sentimental about it. And we tried to work out why my uncle had given me this land. And it was and we, the only thing we could think of, because he didn't tell anybody he was planning on doing this, is because... He was the he was the only one of seven siblings who was male, so I was gonna and I was gonna be the own I was the eldest person who was carrying on the family name. Mm. So that's the only thing we could think. You know, me and my uncle Sam always got on, but we weren't particularly close. So that was the only thing we could think of. I was gonna be the the, the next generation um, who was carrying on the family name, and. I felt no attachment to the land. I was very touched by the sentiment. My dad felt very passionately about it. He was born and brought up in the village. He knew that parcel of land. My dad was like, you've got to have it, you've got to have it, you've got to have it. And I'm like, if Auntie Ivy's upset about this, I'd rather just like, you know, let her have it and he Mm. said no 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 and the difference was he knew that land Mm. you know he'd played on it you know so what's happened to it oh auntie ivy got a knickers in a twist i went auntie ivy you have it really yeah 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 and he gave me some land halfway to kingston as well and she just she just got so upset and i for me it just wasn't worth the family family uproar you know and i'm five thousand six thousand miles away you know, and it wasn't as if I was going to transplant myself to Jamaica anytime soon or even no. build anything on it anytime soon. So I was just going to have uh, the title deeds to this land and, and that was it. And who knows who would have who would have been doing what I'm looking at you in a it. whole different light now, Royfield. Really? How yes, come? like a Jane Austen hero. How many acres of how many acres does he have? <laughs> what manner of man and how how many thousand a year? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't have the land now. I, well, you know, it probably I probably still have it um, in name, but she's doing whatever she's doing with it, and and, and most probably it's just there, sat empty. Gosh, you know. Mm. Wow, cool. Next okay. email. Next email. Well, we've run out of email, so now we will go to the phones. All right. Cool. Hello, Ambridge3962. Hello, dum to dum It's Yokel Bear here, calling from Swindon, but we won't talk about that. 
Well, what a week. Uh, I, I really thought it was after the flood this last week. Or was it the week before? Or was it a Monday? I don't know. I really think that this week it was back on form again. Kenton. What a stupendous piece of acting that was. There's proper acting. that I find myself once again kind of leaping to the defence of Charlie. I mean, he's starting a bit of a cover-up. It's all getting a bit X-Files, isn't it? You know, so if you say that, then, you know, we may have to kill you and all that kind of stuff. About the ditches and the culverts. But one thing I say in his defence is, he is really good at his job, isn't he? He's really, really good. And, I mean, he's obviously quite loyal to to Justin and what have you. And I think that's kind of laudable. Um, but I know I'm kind of in a bit of a minority here. Um, I think he should get together with Adam. I think they'd be good for each other. Um, and like I said, I've never, I've never warmed to Ian. I tried, I tried, I tried, but you know, I just, it just wasn't happening. So that's the week in Ambridge. Um, so yes, and I really, really, really enjoyed the um, the live episode. It was enormous amounts of fun. Um, so yeah, that was great. We should do that again. Do it more often. Um, no, only if your nerves can stand it. Um, okay then, that's me done. Bye. Yokel Bear. Thank you for ringing in, Yokel Bear, when you rang in before on the live one. That was very nice. Um, uh, he suggests we do the live one again. Yokel Bear, are you mad? We have not. It's going to take us a good decade to recover from the last bloody live one. Um, yes, he enjoyed Kenton going mad. Uh, he is leaping to the defence of Charlie. Now, I came up with a little hypothesis and it suddenly popped into my head and I forgive me if it has also popped into everyone else's heads and I'm just a bit slow, but I think Charlie is Justin's stepson. Ooh, did you hear that? <laughs> I did. That's a BBC News alert. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, it was quite an interesting hypothesis, but I'm not sure it deserves its own jingle, to be honest. <laughs> so what do you reckon? Uh, well, a few people seem to be saying this, and I must admit, I, I didn't see, see it coming. That's not to say that I don't think that he isn't, or is. It's just his, his, his uh, desperate need to protect Justin at all costs. The fact mm. that he is so obsessed with work and so obsessed with it making money and uh, there's a sort of a f- almost a fear that things are going to go wrong. Mm. He said, oh, my dad... Oh, oh, oh. So there's obviously a bit of an issue there. Mm. And um, Justin was quite dismissive of, of him at the Hunt Ball thing. Um, which, you know, you have to have that kind of... You know, nobody can be more rude to you than your family. Um mm. And uh, yeah, so there's there's sort of a, a few things that are making, and the fact that he's sort of trying to coerce Adam into saying that um, not making a point about the the, the culverts being blocked, um, that uh, he's um, suggesting to uh, Ed that Ed just clears them and doesn't say anything to anybody, otherwise he might not get work from the estate again. That level of protection. You don't get unless you've either got a massive crush on your boss or you have a huge, like a a proper personal, as in it's your own ego state that's going to be damaged if anything happens to to um, to that person that's detrimental. So I don't know. It's just all there's something very strange going on. And I think it's it's a, 
um yeah i think it's it's uh, there's a family link there you could well be correct you're not going to argue with me no as i said i (laughs) I have no strong feelings on this either way okay but i've seen on the twitters that people are speculating um that that is his pops and i thought Mm. oh maybe he is maybe he isn't Mm. i'm not argumentative for the sake of being argumentative no i know hi there dumpty dummers it's jojo's sexy heels um afraid i missed out on the live session on thursday i was um tuned in on monday but it didn't work out never mind i won't go on wittering on about that just thought i'd phone in to say how much i'm really enjoying kate she really is marmite isn't she i hate her but i love to hate her um saying her aura is out of balance you can just tell that she's wandering around in a loose caftan with an african print Um, And the conversation between her and Brian in the kitchen was absolutely brilliant. Well done, scriptwriters. Absolutely loved it, especially his matched funding initiatives comment. And having Linda as the surrogate mother because no one else understands her, you can just see that Kate's going to be spending more and more time with Linda Snell. And I really can't wait to hear the next time that she's got a hangover. Brian suggests a bacon sarnie. And, of course, the next time the person suggesting the, the uh, hangover cure is going to be Lillian with a hair of the dog, darling. Loving to hate her. Um, so, well done, scriptwriters. Hating Kate. Bye now. Jojo Sexy Heels. Loving to hating Kating. Um, yes, we all <laughs> hating Kating, don't we? Bloody woman. Um, it is getting a bit... It's a bit... Sorry to sound so bloody london but it is a bit last year all this chakras and all that nobody really i don't think anyone actually really talks like that anymore i think kate would be into mindful meditation probably Mm. now which is a bit more current um you know hot yoga a bikram yoga and the, the 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 um chakras and all that energy points and all that stuff that's all a bit kind of uh, 2005 I think now it would be I couldn't disagree with you more uh, about the chakras yes right but the person in my life who was most similar to Kate Aldridge was t- talked incessantly about her energy oh really? yeah energy but not chakras yeah no she'd, she'd moved on from that yeah but she did everything else she meditated the whole world revolved around her to be fair she was a much better mother than um kate, than kate aldridge well let's right. face it i think kerry katona is a much better <laughs> mother than kate aldridge <laughs> well wasn't she mother of the year um about 10 12 years ago she was. She was. You was know. she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She yeah, but that's just because she was doing an Iceland advertising campaign. Didn't they sponsor it or something? I don't <laughs> think. I don't think we need to take any of that very seriously. Yes, yes no, no, no. Yeah, you are right. But um, <laughs> I, I mostly, in part, agree with you. She wouldn't be talking about chakras and whatever. But everything else, I see as being spot on the money. Really. Mm, because I, I know this woman absolutely. <laughs> she sounds awful. I know you can't. Oh, you can't say, can you? Who this woman? Is. I mean, she fascinates me. This woman that you know that's like Kate. I didn't think anybody was really like Kate. But I know Yoko Bear said that he met a few of them as well. 
Yeah, no, um, no. They're, they're, the, these people are legion. There well, are, there my are di- many my, of them. My dear friends have moved to Totnes. And mm-hmm. um, according to other friends who've been to visit them there, they said the whole place is full of Kate Aldridge. <laughs> Even the men are like Kate Aldridge. Mm. There's a lot of man buns going on. I don't mean buttocks. I mean hair man buns. Oh. And, um, you know, women in permanently in yoga trousers and um, children with long hair and boys with, with, with long hair in ponytails and, you know, little boys and um, <clears throat> a lot of a lot of patchouli. Yep. So, yes. So maybe, maybe I'm just lucky enough not to know that many people like Kate. Long may that continue. The sales of yoga trousers in the United States in the last two, three years have gone up to about like 800%. It's something outrageous and that people are wearing them 24-7, not just doing their, their yoga in them. And there's there are a whole man. They're quite flattering, articles. actually. Hmm? They're quite flattering yoga I think trousers, so too. and they're yeah. kind of um, uh, like the peg top thing, which is quite trendy now anyway. So it's sort of, I suppose, they sort of fit in with that. Um, if you look at the celebrity um, magazines, like mm, you know, OK, like you and do. and yeah, and um, now and all that shit, it, it everybody in LA they never photographed anything else. They're either somebody or other flaunting their curves, in a <laughs> in a. <coughs> um, in some hideous gown on the red carpet mm. or they're in you know clutching a smoothie something that looks you know like some sort of nuclear reactive substance in a in a in a coffee cup and uh, and um and in yoga trousers and in and in um uh, sweat tops there's, there's yeah, nothing with the rolled else. yoga mat yeah there's not they don't wear anything else no one has just normal clothes anymore <sighs> we're in the well, wrong that, business we ought to well that to. is the new normal isn't it <coughs> do you think we should start doing um, Dumpty Dum yoga mats. That's an idea. You're blocking my chakras. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great idea. <laughs> do they do them on that, thingy? That'll be that'll be on the store by the time we finish the show. <laughs> <I'll tell> you. <laughs> You're blocking my chakras, and please can I have some money. Um, oh, her and her money. She's just the way she did. When when Jennifer said, I mean, I love the way Jennifer, even Jennifer is losing her temper with Kate. Jennifer, who is the, she's like the Mr. Magoo of uh, family willful blindness. She she will not see what she does not want to see. And even she is saying to Kate, oh, Kate, you could give me a hand. <laughs> when she said, why don't you peel, you could peel the potatoes for me, Kate, on Mother's Day. And Kate went, but it's Mother's Day. And she said, yes, exactly. She's cooking mm. for her daughter, her mother, you know. Oh, she's just unbelievable, Kate. But but in a in a good way. It's nice to have a, a character that's that mm. far out and that kind of pushes the boundaries of realism. A you little know, bit. we we have a villain in the <coughs> Archers in in Ambridge who is believable, unlike Hazel Woolley. Yeah, you know she she's she's a villain, but she's still human. You know? But do you know the part that made me nearly want to punch her? Well, a lot of it makes her want, make, want to punch her. But mm. when she said she'd spent Mothering Sunday with Linda, mm-hmm. Linda said Kate had come round to help her, in inverted commas, tidy up mm-hmm. after the flood. And Linda said she wasn't much, much, you know, oh, darling Kate, she wasn't much use really because she was very upset. She'd had a very unsatisfactory Mother's Day. Linda is unable to have children and always wanted them. Can you imagine anything more tactless than spending than going to see somebody whose home had been devastated 
not helping them, but sitting there and complaining that your own children, you know, you feel neglected by the three children that you've completely abandoned and, and bleating on to a woman who is unable to have children. I just thought, Kate, that just absolutely takes the biscuit. Mm. You are you are correct, but you, there is another way you could look at it and you could actually say, well, because they have this bond and she's gone round there on the day that Linda can never actually, you know, celebrate, you know, or, you know, be, be honoured, I should say, you know. Because I completely forgotten that Kate and Linda had had a little bit of a connection. Mm. I'd completely forgotten. So, you know, you could spin it the other way and say, you know, Kate was really mindful of the fact this is the one day of the year. Oh, when... come off it. I know. I said you could look at it that way. I didn't say it What is kind that of Pollyanna way. would you have to be to think that... <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you know me. I try and put a, you know, a nice spin Positive spur, Mr. I want spin. everyone to be happy and just love la, each other la, and just... Cuddle up 24-7. But yeah, you're right. She's a silly old selfish cow. <laughs> <laughs> and now we move on to Jacqueline Berto. Hi, uh, I'm Jacqueline Berto, at Jberto Sanguin on the Twitters. I'm a housewife living in Brittany, uh, France. I managed to get through on the on the live 50th, much to my surprise and, and embarrassment, because I, I certainly didn't expect to, hence I witted on. And then the frog in the next room thought I'd just nipped out for to get something from the fridge. So I ended up being a bit of a, ugh, making a mess of it. Probably like I am now. Um, I became an archers addict during my first years of working in the late 70s when the commuting from the, the city of London out to rural Kent meant that I arrived home just in time to raid the fridge and listen to the archers. My first big event was the death of Polly Perks. I love Neil Carter. I always have, and I think I always will. I don't have... um, We don't hear much uh, from him these days, but um, I think he's a completely solid, reliable character, a good friend. But Well, of course, I detest Susan, but that's normal. I always fell out with him when we had the old uh, Mo uh, Travis affair, but I forgave him, which is something I'd probably never really do in uh, real life. Uh, but I felt I ought to defend uh, my love of uh, Neil, having witted about him on the uh, on the live thing. Bye. Well done for remembering Mo Travis's name. I thought Mo Travis. Who the hell? And then suddenly remembered. Yes. Well, I like Neil too. I could quite understand why you're so fond of him, Jacqueline. And he's a good father. He stands up for himself every now and again. It's a good bell ringer. Good bell. <laughs> Good bell ringer. <laughs> oh, there's so many food jokes we can make there. Um, he, you know, yeah, he's a he's a lovely bloke that is more and more being recognised. I think by the fact that he is taking on the unlikely role of village wise woman as people keep going to visit him to you know have a chat with him um, and ask his advice. Uh, the reason he puts up with Susan, I guess, is because it's a balancing act, isn't it? You have, if you have a couple where one of them just refuses to be, to put himself in a position where he could be possibly construed as not nice, then you have the other partner who is always doing all the anger, all the nagging, all the complaining, all the bitterness for the whole couple. Uh, and it often happens with men where they, um, 
I find anyway in my experience that they are the ones who will happily just let their wife be the one that gets criticised by everybody and they maintain their saint-like status and I do think Neil is a bit like that what are you Um, talking about? Well, he never Neil. Neil does not stand up for himself or for anybody else. He just oh, lets. Oh, I thought you meant he didn't. He would never stand up for Susan. I got that the wrong way around. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh, but yes, I do have a massive soft, soft spot for him. I think he's very sweet. Uh. And it's yeah. It, he's a he's a, a good dad and a good father-in-law to Ed, um, mm. which is also lovely. Yeah. He deserves, Ed deserves a nice father-in-law. Andrew Horn, happy birthday to us. Thank you very much, Andrew. You're very kind. Uh, glad you're enjoying it. We are very much enjoying it. We can't believe we've done. Does it seem like 50 to you? Uh, no, no. I'm always surprised the fact that we can like bang out a show and actually crack some jokes and, and have fun. You know, I seriously thought this would be like an eight-week wonder, if I'm being honest. <laughs> <laughs> I really did, you know. But No, you met me and thought, I can only put up with her for eight weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Any more than that, I'll kill her. <laughs> but no, yeah, it, it's, it's, been, it's been absolutely lovely. And uh, without wanting to just repeat myself, you know, and this is going to sound really quite cheesy, but it's actually true. But, you know, it's the community of listeners and the fact that people do call in and and do email in and uh, you know you're doing something right when people don't just listen but actually people want to participate so yeah 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 it's been lovely it's one of the nicest things in my life dumpty dum Mm. but i still have more in my posse than you have in yours i know i know maybe i'll get a pussy posse Ah, <laughs> oh, Goddess Diva can be in my pussy posse. There we go. There's her call. Uh, well, she's no, said, oh, she's no, gonna no, no. have to. No, she's gonna have to decide. She can't be in both. You know, she forced her way into my group. <laughs> <laughs> she elbowed her way into your pussy posse. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? <laughs> it's either one group or the other. Goddess, decide now. <laughs> <coughs> She's team me. She so is. Uh, anyway, that's it. End of the calls. Right. Well, let's take five and then come back with a little bit of Millie and then we'll do hashtag the Archer's Tweets of the Week. G'day, everyone. It's Millie Bell here. There's not much to report from our page today because we were mainly talking about the uh, 50th anniversary and uh, trying to keep Royfield chipper when things got a bit frustrating with the recording side. So I just thought I'd do a bit of a roundup today of the other Facebook uh, sites where you can also talk about the Archers if, like me, you sometimes feel a little isolated in your uh, face-to-face contact because there's no one I can talk to the Archers about. As most of you probably know, there was one site that was uh, had a big membership, and it was run by uh, Hedley Nick, who plays Kathy. Uh, she hasn't played Kathy recently, but normally she plays Kathy. And that closed down. I think they just got too many people who joined very, very quickly um, after the uh, message board closed down in uh, the. Uh, the Radio 4 message board closed down and I think it just kind of lost its 
small sort of uh, feel and it became a bit hard to manage and she has got other things to do so that closed down and then some others uh, opened up and they are largely run well they're all run by real archers addicts so one of the ones is um, Archers Anonymous, which is run by uh, Jo Bolter, who is from Canada. And she was very active on the original page and uh, she runs a, a nice friendly debating ship there. So if uh, that's your bag, then go there. There are, sorry, there are also some appreciation pages. The ones I know about are the Jim Lloyd, uh, the Eddie uh, page, Carol Tregoran, uh, Tony Archer. The David Archer one is worth looking at because Tim often makes an appearance there. So going back to the pages, um, Ambridge View, now that's a rather fun site because the admins on there often pose questions or run little quizzes or games at the weekend. So if you want, if you have an idle uh, 20 minutes or so, that's absolutely worth going to, to get involved in the games on there. Um, there's also Archer's uh, Appreciation Group. Now, they're a very robust group and um, they, they uh, have no problems with deviating from uh, Archer's uh, conversations. They post spoilers every week and they're rather fun because you have to work out which one is actually not the real spoiler. And the last one I was going to talk to you about is uh, Upstairs at the Ball, which I think is a closed group, uh, but if you're interested in uh, joining, then you can apply. And the reason I'm very fond of this group is there is a, a gentleman who is a member there called Stuart Arendale. And those of you that were on the original web, uh, fan, Facebook page will remember that he used to do a fantastic advent calendar and he also ran the worst character of the week. Now they're rather fun and uh, he always has a theme and uh, they're rather fun because you can get involved in it. But the, my favourite bit about it is he creates an award every week for whoever wins. And of course Kate's been winning a lot lately for obvious reasons. And the graphics are fantastic. They are really good. And I often see the uh, BBC for uh, official ones for the artists and I think Stuart should be doing this because he really has got an eye for detail. Uh, so I recommend that if you are interested in voting for the worst character of the week, he sometimes stars the best character of the week, but largely it's the worst character of the week and it's great fun. And he has all sorts of themes. Um, it might be something to do with natural health and chakras because that might be something that came up that week. They're great fun, really, really recommend them. Of course, I very much want you to stay with our page two where we get to talk about our favorite podcast, Dumpty Dum. I also listen to The Archers as a podcast, but it's actually a radio program, so that doesn't count as my favourite podcast. So looking forward to seeing you on there. Uh, we'll all catch up, and I'm so excited that I'm now 51. This is 51 episodes, um, and I'm hoping I'm starting to think about, well, what can we do for our 100th? So stick with us, and uh, I'll see you next week. Ciao. <laughs> Thank you, Miss Bell. Why don't we, Lucy, do your hashtag The Archers Tweets of the Week? Yes, Goddess Diva. This is very good, this. Um, about um, Heather Pet. She said, Heather, <laughs> Heather Pet is fine with her Iceland meal for one. No, really, not a bother. <laughs> Very sad when she's talking when Heather's today. Oh no, I'm fine, pet. And you think, no, you're not. One minute your entire family's moving up there, the next day, bang, they're not. Anyway, 
uh, Heather Self, who is H Self Tax. So she's a tax advisor. Maybe she is somebody who is passionate about tax. We'll have to ask her. Mm-hmm. Um, it, she was responding to the hashtag, where is Scruff? She said he went to Crofts and missed the train back. Poor Scruff. Uh, <laughs> Councillor Rachel Sutton. We do have an awful lot of councillors. You know our... you say that every time. I know, but it astonishes me. Anyway, she said, probably not the first to say it, but, quote, uh, Frida Fry, much loved wife and cook, passed away quietly. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sam Farmer said, Tupac has just been mentioned on the arches. Asterisk. God breathe. Asterisk. Uh, yes, that was an unusual reference for the arches, but I did love the idea of uh, Joe pimping it up in his fur coat. <laughs> <laughs> and um, if we had any ham. Uh, was talking about the... Uh, the sweet for the week. Uh, yes, yeah, sorry. <laughs> she was talking about the um, the return of Krusty, hurrah. And she said, I have never been jilted at the altar in a small village, but if I had and they were catastrophically flooded, I would laugh and laugh and laugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very good. I would also. That's it. Oh, okay. Great. <coughs> um, you've got a terrible cough there, you know. I've got bronchitis. It's not going. Mm, you're very chesty. You need to rub something on that chest of yours. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> do you mean? It's just giving you medical sorry, advice. Yes, sorry, Thank you very much, Jess. I will do that. Right. Now. What's the webcam off? <laughs> <laughs> um, being as we are done, I think we should wrap things up, folks. Uh, now, hmm. Shop news. Uh, we've got to shop, buy some stuff, because that'd be great. That's that's the end of shop news. Because I know you're all sitting on the edge of it. I was going to say sitting on the edge of your seats there. That's not really true, because some people listen whilst they, walk, whilst they go walking or running. So A lot of people take us to bed with them. That's true. That's true. How many people you slept with, Lucy? <laughs> Probably in the thousands, tens of thousands now. I haven't got time. <laughs> you <laughs> loose woman, you. <laughs> no, but I do like it's very strange on Twitter saying, right, I'm just off to bed with Lucy and Royfield. <laughs> I beg your bath. You'll see, yes. It's quite people to have us in the bath as well. Mm. We go we're down the tap end, I'm guessing. <laughs> God, I hate the tap end. <laughs> anyway, right now. Donating to Dumpy Dum is good. Now, there's a big button on our website and it says donate. And if you hit that, you can give us as much cash as you want because um, all this <laughs> there podcast is no, thing, There is no upper limit. <laughs> yeah, there absolutely isn't. Um, because <coughs> this podcasting malarkey isn't the most expensive thing in the world, but it isn't absolutely free and without any kind of costs and stuff. And actually... Lucy, did you know uh, that we renewed our domain name the other day? Did we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, you we did, did tell me yeah. we were going to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you're, you're automatically, that's not the biggest cost in the world, dear listener. But it's just to show you that there are costs associated with doing this dumpty dum thing. So, if you would like to give us a random sum of money. However uh, large. <laughs> yes, uh, the larger the better. It's tax, <laughs> tax free, I believe. <coughs> <laughs> Well, now we have our own tax advisor, exactly. Heather Self. 
Yes, she will tell you how to dodge all tax. Yes. So, right. We better take that bit out in case we get her into trouble. <laughs> Sorry, Emma. She won't really. Go on the website. You'll see the donate button. Hit it. Get your credit card out and uh, give us some cash. And it goes into the Borchester Bank of Dum Dee Dum. And that'd be great. And that'd be smashing. Now, this is, this is the top bit of the show. News, reviews, news of reviews. Now, I think I'm repeating myself here. But yes, we you have. Because I yes. did Judgington on the live one, didn't I? Mm. Mm. Well, it, but that many people didn't listen to it. That's true. So, do you want to say that again? Yep, Judgington. And Nancy Blackett have seen fit to review us. And Polly Jenkins from the colony that got away has given us that promised five star review. Whee! Well, actually, oh. that's supposed to be a yeehaw! Sorry. Because she's in Yankee Land. Oh. Yeah. This bit's me, isn't it? You can also go to patreon.com, search for Dumb Tea Dumb, and you can donate $2 a show, which is about £1.30. Mm. Ah, now, remember, you can send us a voice message via the site, or you can call us on 0203 Zero five from a normal phone to leave us a message to get onto the show and to be a caller in a row. You can also ping us a regular text message if you like, or you can tweet us at on the Twitters uh, at Dumpty Dum or me at Roy Field, and that's R O I for India F I E L D, or me at Lucy V Freeman. So please, please, please keep those reviews coming because we want to be top of the podcast charts before Rory is finally allowed home from boarding school to take his driving test. The end. Goodbye, dear listener. Goodbye, Ooh. dear listener. Yes, what? what? How many people do you think we're in bed with right now? Ooh. Um, usually, there's usually about seven, I think, that I spot on the <laughs> Twitters that say that we're going... We'll have to otch up a bit, won't we? Ooh. What? No, just thinking. Just thinking about just like... Budging up. Are we all going to be like top and tailed? Oh, I hope not. No. Because then you're next to people's feet. Horrid. Ugh. I was talking to Cardboard mm. about um, how... God, what, what was it? We were talking about... Hang on, that you better it, expect... You mean, you mean your daughter Cardboard rather than Auntie Cardboard? Cause I oh, yes. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. My daughter Cardboard. <coughs> I'm really worried about that chest of yours, you know. <laughs> I'll worry about... I'll keep my eye on my own chest. Thank no. you so much. <laughs> now, she's thinking of taking sociology for her options. Yeah. And and I says, why do you want to do sociology? The truth of the matter is, she really likes a sociology teacher who's also her humanities teacher. Okay. And But she said, oh, because you look at society and how society have changed and... And then she talked about the nuclear family, which is an expression which is hardly used anymore, isn't it? Yeah. Nuclear family seems to be, you know, you know, yeah. go, going out the window. Yeah. But and, uh, and she said, and I said, what is the nuclear family? And she said, well, it's a family, which, but has other people as well, meaning an extended family. Well, that's not a nuclear family. No. Okay. And then she talked about. Then we kind of talked about how families have changed and to become a nuclear family, and and I didn't really realize but just in my family alone um there's a pattern of migration which has been absolutely classic for for immigrants absolutely classic and i kind of explained it to her and i said so when my grandfather 
my mother's father first came to the UK. He came in the early 1960s. And so the British government was saying, you know, come over to That England was the Windrush stuff, wasn't it? Well, yeah, he, he was, he's about 12 years after Windrush. Okay. But it's, it's within that movement yeah. of, of immigration from, from the West Indies. So they asked for able men to come over to, to work, into fa- work in the factories because there was a labour shortage. So he came over by himself saved up all of his money and then what so what he would do he would send some money back to jamaica to look after his family in jamaica but then he saved up all his extra money to pay for his um for his family members to come over one by one so and he had seven kids i believe so and they came over one by one you know my mum came over with with my gran, then my auntie maybe six months later, etc., etc. So I remember in the early 70s going around to grandma and grandpa's house, and there were, um, it was only a three bedroom house, but my God, there were loads of them living there. <laughs> uh, and in, uh, in Uncle Ken's room, there was Uncle Ken used to sleep there with, with Bob and with Uncle John, and they were, you know, top and tailed in the yeah. bed. And then it, there was Auntie Annette, Auntie, uh, Auntie Ivor, and then Sham top and tailed in another room. And then Auntie Pearl had just left. And it was just absolute, you know, it, as a little kid, it was just normal. That's just what happened. Looking back, it was bloody bonkers. Yeah. You know, and, and of course, as everybody got older and then got jobs, these are the kids, and then got, went to university, people moved out one by one. But, and it was just kind of, you know, it was really kind of quite vivid, explaining to Maisha that actually mm. that is very similar to like Polish emigration now, you know, yeah. coming into the country where people kind of budge up into a house because yeah. um, they can't afford not to. And then yeah. slowly but surely as they become economically more entrenched into, you know, society, then they, they move out, get their own places, etc. You know, and um, it was just kind of fascinating because I've never thought about it before. Mm. You know, that in my lifetime alone, I've seen this kind of classic, uh, you know, portrayal of economic migration um, into into the UK and actually how it plays out within a household. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Just so do you saying. think she's going to do... Um... Sociology. Sociology. Yeah, she wants to do that. She wants to do history because they chip off the old block in that respect. I'm good, good, dead, good. Proud, dead proud of her that way. And a history syllabus actually looks brilliant. Um, so there's um, British Empire, there's First World War, decolonialisation, and they use India and Kenya as the examples. There's um, EU. They, you know, it's not just all the Tudors. Yeah, you know, which I yeah. get bloody bored of. Yeah. You, know. <laughs> you know, as important as important as they are, but you know, mm. British history is basically the Romans came, they went, ten sixty six, Elizabeth the first, Henry the eighth, First World War, and you go, wait, wait a minute, there's a bit more to it than that. <laughs> and it didn't all happen to the top two percent of the population either. There exactly. were some other people. Exactly. Exactly. But anyway. We'll just tell her not to do media studies. Uh, well, actually. Oh, she's not. No, no, no. I've okay. actually said to her, well, her mum's keen for her to do media. Well, said, look, it's, it's an option. She actually even did a podcast last week. Did she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it sounds to me more like some kind of radio play because they had to, it's, it's about, um, 
it's about drug abuse right and then people have to play different roles within it and then be interviewed so it's some oh, okay. place not really a podcast uh but the way the way they listen yeah. to the kids are saying we should do a podcast and they say, oh that's a bit newfangled we'll have that I'll have some of that but really it sounds more like drama studies to me right um uh and i'm a i'm on the edge with media studies i'm like what's the point really yeah uh, but mom says well you'd really be able to help her with that and i was like well i don't know so much really but anyway she's gonna do uh combined science and uh, i'm missing something out but she was uh yeah it was all kind of parents evening-y the other day and options and uh she's all excited she's gonna God. be a big girl wow mm. i can't i can't remember can you remember doing your options absolutely i, I did can't at all this sounds like you are leading me down a certain path to tell another one of my uh, long winding stories. No, I'm not, because my friend is going to ring the doorbell any minute. I bet you anyway, quick then. Yeah, right. quick. I did art. Yes. Needlework, technical <laughs> drawing, history, and chemistry. And Blimey, when I, what and a when mix. I, um, exactly. When I picked them, my head of house, Mr. Hilton said, Brown, said, get in my office. <laughs> Are you on drugs, Brown? He literally <laughs> says, he says, this is a joke. Needlework? <laughs> is that needlework? what he said? Is this a joke? Yeah. He said, needlework? <clears throat> and I went, yeah, I'm doing needlework so I'm going to be a fashion designer. Oh, of course. I forgot. Yeah, yeah. Because that, that, hence the whole clothes yeah. shop thing and whatever. And uh, I was the only boy in the city of Birmingham. And I think probably the only boy in like the Midlands that did needlework. Um, Aww. Yeah, because, and I was quite clear, I'm going to be a fashion designer, I don't care, I'm doing it, and uh, so, so I did. And he says, you cannot do it, and the letter went home to my parents, and my mum and dad wrote that back, says that's what he's doing, and um, so that's what I did. So I did, in the last two years of school, I was the rugby playing boy that did needlework in uh, Great Bar Camp. There you go. The only thing I remember about school interviews is um, going to see this careers advisor. Mm. Who had one of those voices where they <laughs> kind of squelch the essays. Mm. And um, she said to me, She did, well, you have to do this questionnaire thing, and mm. then it tells you that you should be a fireman or something, and um, firefighter. And uh, so I did this questionnaire, and I already knew what I wanted to do, the whole thing was bloody ridiculous. So I sat there, and um, she said, Be a podcaster. Well, she said, Looking at your results, <laughs> have you ever considered speech therapy? <laughs> And you I said, no, up. have you? <laughs> and then I got sent out. So that was that. The end of my career's advice. I have to go because the professor is ringing the doorbell. I need to go and let them in. All right, then. Goodbye, okay. Mr. Freeman. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 <laughs> Dumpty Dum was a Royfield Brown production. Do you know what else is a Royfield Brown production? The new fabby foodie podcast, Let's Eat. In the first episode, I enjoy a Brazilian, have an in-depth chat with Star Bake Off winner John Waite, and there is gin and coffee with the man from Starbucks, all on Let's Eat. For an amuse-bouche of the first show, before it's on iTunes, go to mixcloud.com slash letseatpodcast on March the 4th. And follow us, like a spice trail, on Twitter at Let's Eat Pod. I'm Susan Ray, and I have just one question. What's for dinner? Let's eat.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.